Welcome to the Homegrown Podcast, the place where we share the truth about food and farming from our kitchen to yours. I'm your host, Liz Hazelmeyer, along with my husband, Joey. Good evening. And together, we hope to inspire, educate, and equip you in your pursuit of true nourishment. And today, we have a super special guest, um, our second one of all time, and one that I have been anxious to get on the podcast since the moment we um, thought of it, its inception, really. And uh, today, it's my mom. And I'm excited to talk to her about food because if you think about, you know, where you learn about food and some of your first memories around um, eating and family, uh, gosh, it's it's your mother. And so um, we're going to cover sort of like my mom's real food journey because just as our family has been on this path of pursuing true nourishment, um, my parents have too. And they, everyone has their own unique story. Um, my mom has a really unique perspective and it's something to where I often get asked the question, you know, how did, how are your parents on board and, and aren't they weirded out about raw dairy and, you know, how do they, how do they take to your sort of like new food values? And I, I, I'm excited for you to sort of answer that question for them because, you know, I can kind of give them a rough answer of what I think you feel, but, um, as someone who has had many decades eating a certain way, I think it's really cool that you are still able to make change and um, learn and sort of like take a, a teachable posture, which I know is sort of like your number one thing. So mom, welcome to the Homegrown Podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. So um, we're really going to utilize Joey here as sort of just like our interviewer to keep us on track because mom and I could really just like go down a million rabbit holes. <laughs> um, and we want to keep this conversation really focused to, you know, your story, mom, and, and what it looked like for you growing up and um, what food was like in your house and sort of your food culture in your home and then how that evolved as you guys had kids and and then us kids grew up and and even now in your 60s like how you're thriving and the way you've thought about food and health truthfully is has really transformed and so um if you want to kick us off mom and give us just an intro of like where you grew up um you know maybe some family history there and just just help us paint the picture sure So I'm uh, 65 years old. I was born in 1957 in Lancaster, Ohio. That's a little town in the central part of Ohio. I say it's in between going to Ohio State and OU. Mm. And um, I was an only child. And my parents divorced when I was about six. So I kind of was raised with a single mom. Um, she did remarry, but her husband did a lot of traveling. So I, I remember most of the meals, um, growing up as a little girl, um, was just me and my mom Hmm. and she had to work. So she worked like a nine to five. Like she did. She worked in an office, um, for a doctor. And I remember once I was able to be on my own, um, really truthfully, a lot of convenient foods, Hmm. But um, I was talking this over with Tom last night, and we kind of think that convenient foods back then might have been a little healthier than they are now. But I, I, I don't want to, I don't, I don't know. Give it, give an example of what a convenience food was. Um, let's see. Uh, I remember having little mini frozen tacos, which are still out there today, which cracks me up. That's fifty years, mm-hmm. um, and and they're still there. And they, and I remember. We had those. um, Pizza was just getting popular 
back then in hmm. the 60s. Like frozen pizza or just like pizza as a food? Uh, pizza as a food. What? But I mean, huh. I suppose there was frozen pizza, but I don't remember eating that. But um, but my mom was a good cook. And uh, one of the other cool things was my dad remarried um, an Air Force widow. And she had been stationed in Hawaii. And so she brought all kinds of different cultural things to the table, literally. Um, so we had different kinds of foods from her when influence. When you were at your dad's house? When I was at my dad's house. Yeah, I would go on weekends and a couple weeks during the summer. Hmm. But they lived in town, so I saw them pretty frequently. So I, cool. Did I was, you see a number of convenient foods in, in that uh, household as well? I'm sorry. You were saying with your mom, you were seeing a bunch of convenient foods like the frozen tacos. Yeah. Now with your dad, were you seeing a lot of convenient foods as well? Um, no, she was she was a stay-at-home mom, so I, she, she cooked more. Hmm. But um, my mom was a good cook, even though we did have some convenient things. She'd bur- burgers. Um, I'll tell you what I remember Grammy making was that like noodle and mashed potato yeah. dish what chicken and noodles yeah, yeah but like it was served over mashed potatoes i always thought the carb on carb was weird but it tasted good yeah so. it was great she was a good cook yeah and really overall it wasn't like she just you know sat a bag of potato chips in front of me and you know tacos or something yeah. even though we had the frozen tacos but do you know do you know what her sort of like feelings around food were because I have distinct memories of Grammy, but I'm curious if you growing up ever thought like, oh, this is what my mom cares about, or this is, you know, how she views food. I think as daughters, we're always sort of watching our mom. Like, how does she, right. you know, handle body image and culture and what's going on? Like, do, what was that like with Grammy? I would say the main focus for her and most women back then, and now that I think about it, was does it taste good? Oh. It wasn't. They didn't it, care. They didn't really care. Oh, that's it, incredible. Did it taste good? But that being said, um, they did cook from scratch. So um, that tends to be healthier, mm-hmm. I mean, when you're cooking from scratch. So, but I, I, I don't remember discussions about, well, this is really healthy. Um, uh, this is really bad to admit, but my very favorite Saturday morning or Saturday lunch meal, and I didn't have it every Saturday, but was grilled peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and a milkshake. Like, oh my gosh. When you say milkshake, you mean like ice cream and milk and whipped cream and all that? No, no. Home, homemade milkshake. Just so ice cream and milk. Okay. But the grilled peanut butter and jelly sandwich was unique because um, that came from a restaurant at Oxford, Ohio, where my dad went to college. That had the pasta straws? No. No, oh, different restaurant. Different. So um, it was called Tuffy's. And anybody that knew Oxford, Ohio, Miami University back then knew Tuffy's. And they made grilled peanut butter and jelly. So who whoever has that? But I did growing up. And then therefore you did. I was going to say, is that why we ate that? It's so exactly you, why you ate it. Would you make it for yourself or did your mom make it? Uh, both. So she made the dish that was brought into your family by your dad. Sure. Yep. Isn't that like, that's interesting that she would carry that on. Yeah. I think that's so telling how food can carry legacy in a weird way. That's fascinating. Yeah. Okay. So moving into like your adulthood or 
I don't, what do, did anything change between how you grew up eating? I mean, your small town, Ohio, just outside of Columbus, you meet dad, you guys are high school sweethearts, you know, was food a big deal to you in high school or? It was a big deal going to his house to eat. Well, really? first of all, he had a big family, which was lots of fun. And, and so they would invite me over for Sunday dinners and his mom would cook a big roast and she'd make homemade noodles from scratch and potatoes <laughs> and rolls and oh my gosh and and he's got a cool food legacy because his grandfather was a farmer Mm -hmm. and they had fresh corn and he always tells a story about how he never had canned corn until he went to Ohio State and then he was like "Ugh, what is this Mm -hmm. even to this day I prefer frozen corn to to canned I told Sophie that the other day yeah yeah so the big family meal was something you didn't experience really growing up not really except when I went over to his house when you went to that yeah but I mean as a young child it was pretty much you and your mom and then you know you meet dad he has uh, a bunch of siblings and then walk us through what that looked like early married years I mean you were a, a Air Force family <laughs> traveling That's right. everywhere you were stationed what was your first uh place that you were stationed at uh well we went to Alamogordo New Mexico for fighter lead-in training and, um, but our first main base was Nellis Air Force Base in Las Vegas. Okay. So, cause that's what I was guessing is that's where Phil was born. Right. Okay. Right. Uh, so, okay. So food as a young married couple. Yeah. The military, um, brings a whole other picture to the game because you are meeting in your friendship group, um, you're meeting people from all over the world but mostly all over the United States and so you're you know your best friend might be a little southern girl who grew up eating grits and mm-hmm. you know shrimp yeah. and grits and stuff you've never heard of so you so my point is you get exposed in the military to all kinds of stuff and therefore you cook you begin to cook all kinds of things yeah and th- that's interesting because this is pre-social media because now right. everyone's exposed to all different types of cuisine all the time. And it, you just have to Google something and you can find a recipe or a video or a, yeah. It, so that's a, for you, it was like, no, if you don't know the person who traveled to that place, you don't have access to that foods, to that culture's food. That's right. So that sort of opened up a whole world for you traveling around, going from small town, you know. Yeah, and then, and then our second base was Torrejon, Spain, which was right outside of Madrid, and that was yeah. a whole other ball game. Yeah, would you? I'm curious what you, because uh, we there, we have lots of Spanish tradition in our family right now, food wise. I mean, we make Spanish tortilla and the cucumber salad and paella. I remember eating paella as a kid in Spain when we visited. Um, what did you think when you went overseas? Um, well, I couldn't speak a word. I couldn't even say hola, so I was really <laughs> nervous. And we didn't live on base. We lived in a little village, and we lived in a 200-year-old house, literally. Um, so I didn't. Um, I did a lot of my grocery shopping in the little village. And, and those people have little tiny fridges. Mm-hmm. Now, I had a big American fridge. but So typically, they are out every day gathering their food for each day. Hmm. So you go to, to the the shop for bread, the paneria, and um, I'm not saying it right. So, 
but um, you get your bread and then you go to the butcher shop and you pick out your pork chops you're going to have that day. And then you pop into the grocery and get some vegetables. And Wow. Is that economical? Do you think you end up spending more because you're shopping every day? Um, I think it is economical because you're not... There wasn't like huge pantries full of things. That's waste. Wasted. Because right. you were shopping for the food you were going to eat that day. Right. And I think, I mean, that's that's awesome. I, I mean, um, what what uh, was there anything at the markets where you're like, man, you know what? In America, we had this thing, uh, but they didn't have it there. Well, it was the, just the fresh bread every day. Oh, getting your baguette and just walking in and walking in the bread store and smelling it and but you know the really really cool thing about our time in Spain was we lived right next to a bar and they were fabulous cooks and they liked us so they were kind to us and they would even take us back behind the bar when it wasn't busy and show me how how mm. they made things and then the other thing was um since we had a child and then had another baby over there um, we had to find a babysitter and that babysitter's family just enveloped us, made us part of their family. And so she taught me how to cook tortilla and all kinds of things. And this we, is Pilar and, Malo, and yeah, Manolo. Manolo. Yeah. We would go and we would, um, we would, we would go to their family events. We do, do all kinds of things and, and, and always centered around food because it just did. Cause that's what people do celebration you know yeah so was there anything that you had gotten used to from america that you were looking for or hoping to find in spain that you couldn't their pizza was terrible <laughs> <laughs> that's funny because you would think they would you know be no, close enough it was awful and the mexican food wasn't all that great either there you go okay so right on i think sometimes yeah yeah, I think sometimes people get confused about Spanish. I was cuisine just gonna and, say and that. Mexican I was cuisine. Just gonna say that. Because totally different. It's totally different. Um, yeah, they're they're not at all. They don't do tacos. No. <laughs> uh, interesting. All right. What did family dinners look like when you were in Spain? Um, well, when Tom was home, that's the other thing. I went from um, growing up kind of without. A dad around very much to uh, getting married and having a spouse gone a lot because he was first of all the first 10 years of our marriage was military and he he was uh, TDY a lot what does that mean that means temporary duty elsewhere hmm. they um, go spend a couple weeks in Turkey or so he'd hmm. be gone for weeks at a time he would and you would have two young children in a foreign country I did <laughs> so when so when i call you up and i'm like mom i'm so stressed because joey's gone for the night yeah. you're just there's like, a tiny little eye roll <laughs> <laughs> honesty yeah but but so family i don't know the family dinners that i remember you know what your friends become your family especially mm. in overseas in the military mm. so family dinners were you know jill and renee calling up and saying come over we're mm. gonna grill out and Make sangria. Yeah. Have a good time. Yeah. Jill used to knock on Ren's door with a little cup in her hand and say, I'd like to borrow a cup of food. That's hilarious. <laughs> Just, you know, it's lonely. Yeah. And, and, and so we became each other's family. And So when you did have these meals, what was your favorite meal? In Spain? Mm -hmm. Oh, I love paella. Um, but there's a, a, there's a dish called cocido. Ooh. 
um, and it's like a three-part dish. So it's you're cooking um, a piece of meat in broth with garbanzo beans, and and so and you and it's like a three-part thing. If you you eat the garbanzo beans kind of slathered in olive oil, and then I think what do you do with the broth? Maybe you mix rice in the broth and eat that and then the meat is separate but uh, it was like it was a meal in three parts oh, like three just, stages of just like and they would separate it out wow. after they cooked it all together and that was a great meal that mm. sounds really interesting what were some what were some norms you felt like you started to get used to because you were in spain for what three, three and, and a half, half years. years that's a long enough time to build up some habits yeah right what were some norms of living in spain eating and food wise that you kind of adopted or adapted to that when you got back to America, you were like, this is not. Well, I think the freshness, the freshness of the food and talk about, you know, Liz, you're always talking about your relationship with, you know, the farmer. Yeah. Know your, know your food producer. Yeah. Know your food producer. Or even your grocer. Exactly. So, um, that was something that I missed. I, I liked going to those individual little shops to get whatever. Yeah. Why did you like it so much? I don't know. I guess I felt like I was, I was very European <laughs> and uh, I loved being that, but um, I don't know. It just felt fresh. It felt healthy Yeah. just because it was fresh. Do you feel like you got to know the people that like, like, did you know them by name? Like, like would you walk mm, up to some stands and know the people? Some were friendlier than others. But. Right on. <laughs> oh, and, and that's another thing. They had a lot of fresh outdoor markets in the summer. And so you would, you would just you know, get your food there. And I, I think when you have individual, like a bakery, a butcher shop, uh, you know, I don't know, produce stand, whatever you assume this like single origin food is higher quality. Cause it's not just like a bunch of food right. in a big box store. Right. So I, I can totally see how that would be exciting. And also I feel like towing around two little kids would be stressful to each store i don't know maybe you didn't take phil and, and uh, kevin with you but to me that's what i think of is like oh my gosh grocery shopping with two young children having to go in like five different stores where are we going who's here but maybe that's just a, a there were little tiny stores and little tiny town you know <laughs> so you're, you're you're walking half a block to go to the so store it's, that it's convenient it was it's quick hmm. the um the transition of coming home from Spain. So so I'm sure, I can't imagine three and a half years in Spain and now you're leaving. I'm sure that was in its own way tough, but also exciting. Yep. And um, that transition coming home. So did you move straight to Loveland from there? No. Where, where'd you go next? South Carolina. Okay. So tell me about South two, Carolina. Two and a half years maybe in South Carolina. Well, we're in the South, so that was totally different. Well, how is it different? Um what's the south come on it's just (laughs) you know for all you southerners um i love the south loved it love the weather love the people we always joke that whenever you travel south you start to get a little twang i do i I do i start saying y'all i know and i can't help it us siblings all roll our eyes at mom when we're like in south carolina visiting old air force friends and mom starts like hee-hawing and getting crazy and we're just like oh goodness mother you're from Ohio, but yeah, no. that's funny. Now, were you on base in South Carolina? Again, no. No. No, we lived out in the in the town, and 
you know, made even more friends. It, basically, I think for most military families, you pick up about three or four or five good friends at each base, you mm. know, and um, and then you, they're family forever. Did family dinners look pretty much the same when you were in South? When, when you they were, were in South? although in South Carolina we were a lot closer to Ohio, so we got visits from family. Okay. More than we did in Spain. What did those visits look like? What kind of food? So, you, so families coming into town, and were, were you cooking? Uh, if my mother-in-law was coming, I always wanted her to cook. Okay. Because she was, she was just a good cook, and she was, she was very helpful. She was the kind of mother-in-law that would come in town and clean your fridge or your oven for you. Grandma was. Yes. Wow. I, 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 I hate to say it, but I'm not that same kind of mother-in-law. What kind of dinner were you hoping for when she was coming into town? Well, her famous was a, a roast and homemade noodles. That and explains so much. That explains why dad is obsessed with the with the chuck roast. And yes. I never understood it. Yes. Well, let's keep it going. So from South Carolina, where, what was next? So Tom had to make the decision, do I stay career Air Force or do mm-hmm. I get out and work for the airlines? And he honestly never thought he would consider that, but he did. Um, and turned out to be a good move for our family. And uh, we moved to Ohio because that's where our family was. And um, we settled in and started making new friends. Most of our new friends came from our church that we attached ourselves to right away. And um, But you, you moved to Cincinnati, not, not Lancaster, right? Right. Yeah, even though Dad could have commuted... Um, to CVG, to, to the airport? To the airport. He um, didn't really want to. What does that look like to commute from Lancaster? Be a two-hour drive. Oh, he would drive that commute. Yeah. Because I know you can commute and you can literally fly. Yeah. As no. a pilot. No, no, he would drive. Okay. That would, would be drive. brutal. No, it would be. And the weather, you know, Ohio weather is... Ugh. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, it is. So anyway, so we settled here. It was kind of the perfect distance away, two hours... You're kind of like... You, you only can... visit if you're really motivated to. <laughs> well. <laughs> Silence. <laughs> no, I mean, we tried to make it home, you know, for things, but we couldn't always. And mm. I so. complain having to drive 30 minutes to my in-law, so I can imagine two hours I would have a hard time with that drive. Well, the frequency decreases. That's true. That's and thus true. it kind of balances out a little yeah. bit, right? You're not going over there once a week. Yeah, that's true. Um, so, okay, so you, you move into, into Loveland, take it, anything else? Like, so so we had a, another baby, uh, and we had baby basically at every base, and then we moved here and had one more and yeah. stopped moving and stopped having babies. <laughs> there you go. But um, so, yeah, so we, we started here and had a new rhythm with uh, Tom and the airlines going out probably three nights a week, every week just about so if you want to know what that was like cooking for little kids um when he was home I cooked real meals and when he wasn't home I did more of the convenience style like macaroni and cheese mm. uh sandwiches <clears throat> and uh I, I I hate to say that but it's true but when he was home it was more of a full out you know was it just because you were exhausted, overwhelmed? Did you make a conscious decision to say, hey, when you're home and making special meals? Or were you just like, 
It is what it is. I think all of the above. Oh. Really, truly. I liked cooking. I like to cook. So I liked cooking for him. Um, it's not a lot of fun cooking for a bunch of little kids, yeah. you know, when they're... And, and y'all, y'all weren't too picky, really. Um, you're pretty good eaters. But, um, yeah, so I would say, you know, part of the week I'm doing what I can to get by and then Tom comes home and he's a big help with the kids and I, it gives me some more time to cook the meals because when you're trying to cook with little kids you know running around your feet and no spouse a lot of people know what that's like mm-hmm. so that wasn't that unique but in those years this new rhythm where would you say you derived your inspiration for food or for meals was it through just whatever um you know, Tom, your husband liked, or was there, was there another way that you found out like new creative ways to cook food? Hmm. A lot of it was what he liked. Um, again, I can't say enough what it was like having military friends mm. and picking up ways to cook and different recipes from people all over the country and brought that here. Mm. And, um, who, who made the Pedro's what's that dish? Oh, that was a family friend. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> this is a weird dish we ate growing up that was like taco meat and Frito chips, basically. Yeah. And it always confused me. Yeah. <laughs> we would eat like a, it. Like a walking taco? Uh, it was like served on a big plate. So yeah, maybe like a walking it's taco. It's not that weird. I never liked it. <laughs> I was not a fan of that. Yeah. I think I had those a few times growing up. They weren't that, I mean, they weren't that strange. Walking tacos. I think, I think. Joey, what you're really asking, I didn't give a lot of thought okay. to my to my food. I just, I cooked yeah. what I knew how. And if I go to somebody's house and have something new, I would bug them for the recipe. Right on. And I'd cook that. And it was kind of about taste. And I didn't pay a lot of attention, to be honest, about mm. nutrition and what about meal planning? Were you planning ahead? Was it, was it, uh, what, what did a typical week look like, right? So you're, you're, you're walking into a new week. Uh, what did shopping look like? What did meal planning look like? Well, I, I, I was a stalker, like my mom stalked a pantry. So mm. I always, and I still do. I'm trying to get away from that a little bit. <clears throat> so Sophie, Sophie to this day says, Mimi's always got food. Why can't we go over to Mimi's house? It's <laughs> like, you know what? We don't have the same pantry lineup as she does. Yeah. Um, I don't know about meal planning. Now, if I if I transition to having adult kids, um, that's all about meal planning. Hmm. And it's become fun for me. So like if I hear the Kevin and Phil are coming into town and we're all going to get together, I sit down and I make a list of what I have, what I'm going to serve, grocery lists on the side, which day I'm serving what. But I didn't do that growing up with mm. the with the kids little. I do that now. Do you think, it's hard to tell because I'm a foodie and so I'm naturally interested in this, but I wonder if overall culture has become more like food refined obsessed. Like if people are just like, like is it a millennial thing? to care about your food and be like, oh, I'm going to cook this really cool meal. And, or is it, am I just in a segment of society that cares about that? And then there's a bunch of other people who just like when you were younger, don't, don't pay attention. I don't know. Do you know what I'm asking? 
I think I think um, as I've interpreted what what Carol has said so far that um, she actually loved food quite a bit, but that she had so much almost going from Spain for three and a half years to living in South Carolina for two and a half years to living in Ohio uh, for a number of years. It was probably pretty easy to be in a place of like, do you remember that one thing that we ate and going over to friends' houses and getting recipes from them? I would say that, um, and if you're asking, did her generation care less about the refinement Mm -hmm. of food and the creativity involved in coming up with new recipes and ideas? Um, you might be leaning into a little bit of um, what's with the internet and the massive right. amount of content that we're exposed to on a regular basis. It's very easy for us to see something and be exposed to something that we instantly want to try. And back then, the way that you were exposed to that thing is that someone else cooked you a meal and then you saw it rather than you're scrolling through a news feed or, or whatever. So I guess that doesn't answer your question, but I guess I'm trying to say is that the context is different maybe. I have some friends that are undaunted by step intensive meals and and they I they've probably always been like that mm. in their adult life. It's just personality difference then. It is, I think. Interesting. Yeah. Right on. Let's um as we're getting into kind of adult years with your your when I say adult I mean the kids. Yeah. So your kids are growing up. Um and how how do you feel like things changed rhythm wise both in your your family rhythms of uh, I, i'm assuming tom's work stayed pretty much the same i don't know if it changed at all or maybe it did no stayed the same and uh did did did, uh, did meals did, did did home life's change quite a bit i'd say you know one one by one as kids flew the nest um it it kind of went back to the way it was when they were real little you know when mm. he was gone I I might eat crackers and cheese for yeah dinner. I remember that. <laughs> I do, and I remember I remember because I had friends who their moms would make family dinner every single night, and these were some of my best friends. And I was like, I don't relate to that at all. I'm like, my mom cooks maybe once or twice a week if Dad's here. You know, I'm I'm rolling in from school. <clears throat> I used to eat the weirdest snacks. I mean, I, I used to dip. Um, graham crackers and a glass of milk or microwave mar- tiny marshmallows on saltine crackers. Do you remember the boys doing that? Yeah. On those little plastic plates. Like it was just bizarre. The food I would eat. I would eat a sliced pickle and pretend it was sushi. I don't know. My my <laughs> food experience. Did it, you dip it in soy sauce? No. It, oh. it, it, it was sort of like to me what it felt like for me as the youngest child and the only girl so all my brothers were like at band practice or you know by the time I was nine Phil was already off to college so the household I experienced felt like it was just a grab bag like whatever you want to eat you can grab it you can make it um and I never had uh, an issue with that it just kind of felt like sometimes like what am I eating <laughs> am I making a instant rice tonight am I um yeah I, I that was always something that I noticed other people had that rhythm and because, you know, us kids were so far apart and, um, honestly you, you were six starting when I was in what junior high, Mm. um, at that kind of, and I didn't have that experience. Yeah. So sorry. It's, It's not something I'm mourning. I don't, I don't grieve that. It's just an interesting observation. 
Yeah, I would say knowing what I know now, there's definitely a level of regret, you know. You know, you always say, gosh, I wish I would have known that back but then. But you didn't know. I didn't know. So you you can only do the best you can with the knowledge that you have at that time. Right. You're right. And so I got sick um, and I had ulcerative colitis really bad. And uh, the family rallied around me uh, right near the end of that colitis um, severity. And, uh, it was like 13, 13 years? Yeah. No. Yes, around that. Yeah. Um, and I'll, they said, all right, as a, as a solidarity move, we're all going to go on paleo. And, uh, Do you remember what year this was that we did the paleo? It was when I, it was, I think it was right before I turned 21. Well, 2012, 2011. Yeah. Because uh, I, I had my surgery in 2013. So it was, it was right before that. I think it was 2012. I remember being very close to being 20, 21, or we talked about it at my 21st birthday when the siblings came in town. It was right around there. I remember I was around for paleo. Hmm. Were you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I remember Stu lived here and he was well, Stu making and bacon and eggs. And Stu's no. done paleo off and yeah. on all the time. Yeah. This was before that. Okay, different time. Yeah. Different time. Okay. This was like last ditch effort. I'm pretty sure surgery was already in the conversation. Probably. And the brothers were yeah. like, hey, what can we do? We, I think it was like Rob Wolf or something that they were like, we were yeah. reading this book and and they like told me that that's what we were going to do. And it was so touching. I mean, at the time I was so sick. I didn't fully appreciate it. But I mean, they got a website and they, you know, they, I mean, they really went all out trying to be supportive and come mm. around me. And it was so tender. That's cool. But I was so sick. And they, they were, to be honest, I think they were a little bit frustrated with me because I was not on board. She's, Liz is nodding her head. We were very. Because I was like, I was just so sick. Mm. I just couldn't eat. And, and talk about regret. I wonder, had I, had I eaten differently, you know, five years prior, mm-hmm. um, would that have healed my gut? Mm. Very, very likely. We, I remember us as kids, um, you know, because we'd like meet together and have secret meetings to talk about you. But Holy smokes. We, we were worried. You were sick. We watched our mom. Uh, the first time you were diagnosed in, I think, 2001, she had a five-day stint in the hospital. And my dad was flying home on, early. Like, it was very confusing. It wasn't like, oh, I have a stomach ache. It's like, no, I'm really, really sick. And so with that happening in, oh, I think I would have been junior high, um, we watched you suffer for years, a decade, over a decade. And so us as kids felt like, and I feel like the brothers really like pioneered this, but we felt like, gosh, if we can just rally around her and, and encourage her in this way, maybe we can prevent this surgery from happening. And you met us with so much resistance, uh, emotional resistance, I think, because you were like, don't take the one thing that I find joy in right now. Like, don't, I'm already suffering. Don't try to tell me that the food that I love and that I find comfort in. Cheetos. Yeah. Or potato chips. It was Cheetos. Or like literally any, yeah, I remember I got mad at you because you got a fish sandwich and you put mayonnaise on it. And I'll never forget. I was like, what are you doing? I thought we were doing paleo. You're like, well, mayonnaise isn't dairy, you know, it's just oil and eggs. I I can have mayonnaise. (laughs) Of course, this is like store-bought or, you know, restaurant supplied mayo. And um, 
we fought, we, we fought over that because all of us brothers were like, well, if we're doing this with you and dad agreed to do it when he's home, obviously when he's flying, it's a lot harder. Um, yeah, I think that was maybe like the start of some of the tension that I think you and I felt later on too. It's just like, we do not agree. Mm -hmm. I'm frustrated that you don't hear me. You're Mm -hmm. frustrated that I don't hear you. And, um, it, it felt like it, we just played out our convictions in different ways it just went downhill from there it's basically what you're saying we we i mean you and i had a trash relationship for and basically until i got married or until we got together joey i think a lot of that has uh, so much has healed i mean this conversation alone today is redemptive but um i don't think i'll call it trash i would say that uh i would say that it was trash you guys were close enough to get emotionally frustrated enough that you fought a lot and you, you, if, if you were both ambivalent and like there was no relationship, I don't think you would have even fought. I just think it would have just been like, whatever. I Mom don't care. threatened to move out a few times. Of her own house? Yes. <laughs> nice. It was that bad. I mean, it was for all, nice. like for any mother daughter relationship that's like, how in the well, world? Well, positive Joey over here is just going to you know, stick to his guns. So. It's hard. Anyways, uh, before we uh, kind of get into that next topic, uh, where did paleo come from? Why paleo? Why was that the the particular diet that was the chosen? guys? The guys picked that. I think they researched the autoimmune paleo protocol, yeah. mm-hmm. and because um, that was like pretty hot back then. I mean, still is. Um, and that was what like is a, paleo? I'm sorry, I don't even. I don't think I know exactly what prim- it is. Primal kind of caveman diet. Okay. Yeah, it's no grains, no legumes, no carbs, uh, very limited sh- uh, sugar, like no real fruit. Um, the autoimmune protocol is even more restrictive. Definitely no dairy. It's basically like meats, um, some vegetables. Um, can you have nuts even? I don't even know that you can. Don't know. Pretty I high forget. protein, pretty medium fat, and... Um, yeah, it's just a real emphasis on like cutting out every single processed food and even cutting out some like natural carbohydrates and sugars like white potatoes are a question mm. mark. Um, it's a highly restrictive diet. It's something that people go on and they're like, I feel amazing. And uh, if you really dig into that, it's it's, you know, often because of you're cutting out processed foods for the first time. But there's a lot of overlap of how we eat and paleo. But I would never say that we are a paleo family. So it was a specific autoimmune protocol because mom's um, colitis was autoimmune. Understood. So Carol, you did paleo. No, I, 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 about a month. About a month. Okay. So when, <laughs> within that month, right on, within that month, um, where were you? I assume you were coming up with new menu ideas, new things to cook, new, new uh, meals to eat. You know, what did that look like? I think we sent each other recipes and things like that. We were... Okay, because you were all in it together. It was all in it together. They were very supportive. I mean, it was it was a very cool thing for a family to do to rally around me and do that. That's awesome. And I, um, you know, if they don't know that I appreciated it, I'm telling you right now, I did. Mm, that's awesome. I just was so sick. I just didn't want to comply. Mm. Was there a favorite meal? I can't even can't even go there i i actually (laughs) remember uh it was it must have been sophia's second birthday that we were celebrating that month because we did it in the month of february Mm, that's right we did and i i hosted her party and i had to make sure all of the food was paleo that's right so i served like shrimp and i think i served almonds so i think you can maybe do nuts or maybe we just it was a gray area and veggies and uh 
I think I made a cake for the other guests and you were like, well, why can't we just eat a piece of cake? What's the big deal? And I, it enraged me. I was so, I was just like, such a rebel. I was like, what do you mean? What's the big deal? We're doing all of this for you, mom. Like, isn't that awful? It it was. So yeah, at that. Yeah. You were right after that. I was there for the two year party. I don't know the timeline. We'll have to map it out. You might've been there for three year. I think you were there for the third. Yeah. I thought Danny and I were there for second year. No, I think that was Sophie's third birthday, but, um, okay. Yeah, this was a different party and paleo menu and mom didn't didn't love this situation and it had a lot of um a lot of uh yeah, rebellion is a good word to say mm-hmm. around that. Yeah. So, after paleo, um is there another stage that you can identify before we kind of get into Anything else? You were sick. Were you you were seeing your doctor? Were you asking for diet advice from other people? Like, you know, where were you going? What were you learning? Um. Well, I had surgery, and that that helped the um the pain and mm-hmm. and the symptoms really of the colitis. And so then, like a lot of people that go through this, um, then you're like, oh my gosh, I can eat whatever. I don't get I don't mm-hmm. get sick anymore, and you just kind of go crazy. So, um, I would probably be not truthful if I said that didn't happen to some extent. And then I realized, you know, I am, I'm overweight, so I don't want, you know, I need to deal with that. So I can't just go crazy eating whatever I want. And so I think somewhere in there, I hired a wellness coach Okay. and, um, and it was really great because she, the big takeaway from that was that she taught me where to find and to look for hidden sugar. Mm. And it was kind of the main focus, you know, um, eating healthy, balanced food, but really looking at sugar, really reading packages for sugar. And, and, um, and, and so that, that was a trajectory change, you okay, know, so you got a wellness coach. Um, how long did you work with uh, with the wellness coach? I think a year. About a year. Yeah. And uh, a lot of it was nutrition focused. Or it was what else? Almost all nutrition focused. She had an option of um, physical fitness too, but I was I was working with somebody, um, a, a trainer by then. So I was getting that from her and getting the the encouragement and the wellness training from, from your physical trainer from the other girl. So right on. Um, so so kind of. Are, are we getting to that point now where um, has has have, have all of your kids moved out of the house? Are you an empty nester at this point? I think so. I know that you kind of went in and out of empty nester phase <laughs> um, because of yours truly, but also of other other kids of yours. But um, you know, I, I'm trying to gain what 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 year is this at this point? Where are we? Mm, I'd have to look it up. I well, think probably ten years ago. Like if Joey and I have been almost married for seven years. Don't you think? Mm. Or more recent? I think it was a little more recent. Five I'd years have to ago? look it up. No, more than five. Somewhere between 10 and five. Okay. Maybe seven years. <laughs> oh, my God. So, oh, here we go with the math again. Here we go. Yeah. All right. So we're, we're, we're um, let's say, seven years ago. And, and you're learning from the wellness coach. Um, I'm making good decisions. I'm losing some weight. I'm feeling good. I, th- I think it's interesting that she taught you how to read label, but didn't teach you how to eat food without labels. Did she talk about that at all? Mm-mm. That's interesting. 
Um, and so... <laughs> Joey has no response. I'm, yeah, all right. Um, Not that I remember. You know, maybe she did, true. and I just didn't focus on that. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to, like, throw her under the bus for that, because she was very good. Mm-hmm. She was. Uh, you can find this lady's name in the show notes. Oh, stop <laughs> Go it. Go take her down. <laughs> stop it. Um, no, I'm very thankful for the impact she had on my mom. Yeah. Um, I think what's next is, is the big question of when, when do you remember encountering this idea of, and I'm going to say this with air quotes here, but like real food, right? Yeah. Um, this idea that, uh, you know, what Elizabeth, um, what, what, what I, what you now today are kind of, um, you know, really going after, but this idea of real food, when do you recall first encountering like a little taste of that? Well, I think it was absolutely Elizabeth, um, her excitement about the changes she had made in her life. And um, she would talk about it all the time. And um, <laughs> everybody loves that. She would. Um, what would she, I talk about? Well, you just, you, I don't, <clears throat> gosh, the word militant kind of comes to mind. You know, when you'd come over, you'd, you were so, you were so jazzed up about what you were learning and how you felt about stuff. And you, and if you would see us making a quote unquote mistake, you know, food wise or something, you'd speak up. Interesting. You know? I don't recall this time recall of my it. life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so that happened and, um, and there became, uh, some tension, some conflict, uh, the more excited you got, the more you shared about mm. it, uh, the more resistance I think there was from some, some of us, mostly me probably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What were some of the first things you recall her kind of getting into like what like um she's coming over and she's calling you out on this reading labels reading labels reading labels what what were you looking for ingredients i mean probably preservatives you i think you got really into that and where are you eating that and and uh i don't remember when raw dairy entered the scene but that was very foreign Mm -hmm. but we got to this point where um there was so much conflict and, and I don't know, you and I've talked about this recently, whether there was a specific meal to where it came to a head. But all I know is you were so upset that you went home, told your husband and your husband called a family meeting, which, uh, involved dad and I, not your siblings, just dad and I and you and Joey. Mm -hmm. And, and let me tell you what that was like. (laughs) It it, it actually was pretty amazing because I didn't realize I didn't, you know, you were so excited. I was just kind of like, okay, this is your thing. I was not embracing your new philosophies, your new direction. And, um, so we go over to your house and we're sitting in the living room and, uh, Joey is being Joey and says, all right, you know, Liz, I'd like you to talk and, and tell, tell us what's, what's bothering you you know, why we're here. And so you're talking and you're, you're just, you're saying things. And, and then I, you know, like any person who's kind of being attacked wants to defend themselves. Attacked. Well, I, I felt like that because I was, okay, I'll just say this right now. I was in the wrong. Okay. So I was in the wrong and, and you're making that very clear. And so I'm trying to like kind of defend myself, which is the natural thing to do. And Joey, Joey looks at me. I'll never forget it. He looks at me as Carol. 
this is not your time to talk. Oh, no. <laughs> this is Elizabeth's time to talk. It's she's on. And I'll tell you what, it was a, it was the coolest thing ever, Joey. Mm. It really was because I went, OK, this guy, this guy's out to protect my daughter. Mm-hmm. He's got his allegiance right. Yeah, and, and, you, and you were respectful. Good. And, and you know how to run a meeting. Mm. And, and that made me realize he really does know how to run a meeting. <laughs> He's not going to completely blow this thing. No, and so and so you did that. And so and, and what was curious was at the same time this was happening, I was taking a class and I was learning a communication skill. And and the skill was called um invite challenge. And it it and it's kind of if you look at it as a quadrant, you can be highly invitational and highly challenging or low invitation and low challenge and those, that tends to be boring. I realized what I was doing with you was being highly challenging, low invitation. And I realized to become more invitational to you, I needed to engage. I need to ask you questions like, Mm -hmm. tell me more about what you're learning. Try to act interested, you know? And um, so it was like the perfect storm. You are upset with me. I was frustrated with you. Joey calls the meeting. I'm taking this class. I learn invite challenge. And all of a sudden it's like the big, balloon over your head goes aha oh this is what I'm doing I'm not engaging with something that my daughter is very passionate about and I and that was wrong mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so let me take turning ba- point let me take you back a little bit that's awesome and, and and first of all just just so that it's said um as much as it sounds like I just facilitated the spectacular meetings then and then everybody was happy and joyful uh, there's no question that it takes a, a major sense of humility for anybody uh, in those situations from both of you to get to a place where you can talk it out. And so I think I think it really just speaks volumes to both of your own humility. Uh, the ability, the class you were taking seems like it was very uh, well-timed uh, because it sounds like you were able to, even though you didn't want to maybe, but lower your pride um, and hear Elizabeth. And it sounds like you likely, Elizabeth, were able to also... Um, you know, communicate in a way that wasn't so abrasive that that uh, everything just blew up. Because I know that we had a number of those family meetings as well that we're not going to talk about today, but that <laughs> happened. Um, um, anyways, I wanted to go back a little bit because um, there's a major factor that was at play. There was this idea of being challenging. And challenging somebody's ideas typically comes from a feeling of some, for, of some form. Um, and, and I know this is going to be a, maybe a little bit of a tricky question, but do you recall what it was that you were feeling during the times that this kind of stuff would happen or Elizabeth mm-hmm. would come over and talk about something that maybe, um, you know, motivated you to be challenging? Uh, uh when I say challenging, I mean like you would, mm-hmm. you would verbally challenge the ideas that Elizabeth had. Um, you weren't doing that out of just gut reaction because you wanted to bring her down. We all know that you wouldn't have done that, but, uh, what was it? Uh, probably the unknown okay. you know kind of the fear of the unknown here she's learning all this stuff and she's excited and mm. and clearly it was good stuff but it was like it was gonna it was also gonna make myself uncomfortable to mm. that change if i'm gonna listen to her and adapt to what she's learning that's gonna require change and discomfort and i was not about that was kind of like happily going along the way I was Mm. now now I'm really glad Mm. you went on the journey you went because you brought us along with you eventually 
Yeah, and I think one of the reasons why I, I honestly don't really remember how I was. I think I was just it was partially just probably immaturity. Um, but I was coming from a position of I'm I then was sick for a period of time with some unknown thing and people speculated it was this and that and whatever. I, I was I had horrible debilitating fatigue and body aches and was like hit by a train out of nowhere for like three months. And then um, Ruthie, obviously, you know, with her clubbed feet and we were like thrown for a loop and what's going on. So those two health challenges drove me to the change and I think that's why I used to get so frustrated and angry is because I watched you suffer Mm -hmm. and I was like why isn't she motivated right by this because she feels this now I feel this why isn't she listening to me and I think that that's probably came out in what I was communicating to you and sure and if I shared something with you and you didn't automatically like light up and say oh thank you for solving all my health problems you know like Mm -hmm. Honestly, out of immaturity, I probably was just a prideful and b um it all boiled down to me wanting you to be the healthiest version of yourself and I felt like you were denying that opportunity because you wouldn't listen to me even though you had given me no authority to to speak on that part of your life. But I felt like I felt like I would I would have expected you to be more motivated. So as we inch closer to plunging into your beginnings of real food um would there be any as someone that felt some resistance mm-hmm. and also um i don't know if you use the word converted um what would be some advice you would give because you've obviously you obviously felt it conveyed to you in a way that you know certainly didn't work um but if someone were to be reaching out to their parent their daughter their cousin their uncle their friend um, how could we have a, how could Elizabeth have approached you in a way that maybe would have been more effective? Right. Well, I think I really like what you do now and I hear it over and over. I hear it on your Instagram account. I hear you answering messages this way. It's like baby steps, pick something, make one change, you know, because it's overwhelming. And I think what I was hearing from you is I've got to totally revamp everything I have, I'm doing, Mm -hmm. you know? And that was like, I don't want to do that. Yeah. But now you, you, you give the message in a soft, softer way and you, yeah, that, that would be it. It'd Mm -hmm. be encourage somebody to make one little change, start buying organic, Mm -hmm. you know? Or even just like read a book. Right. Listen to one podcast. Right. Before you make any sort of sourcing change. Right. Do that little baby step. So the approach can be can be powerful because I think yeah. um, the way that, you know, maybe we were coming in here was very um, threatening to a current way of life that you were, as, as I've heard you say it, maybe. And and it could have been approached maybe more delicately. And, and um, I think I think that's pretty cool. So um, let's see here. Let's uh, let's get into the transition. Let's talk about, um, you know, how did you begin to to change into this new real food journey? Like how, how did you begin your real food journey now as we're kind of getting into, into that? I, I know we talked about the family meeting. We talked about uh, the, the class where you're learning about um, uh, challenge and invitation. Mm-hmm. Um, 
what was like maybe the first thing you tried? Um, I don't know if it was the very first thing, but I, I went back to reading labels again. Um, mm. and just seeing now, instead of looking at just the sugar content, I was looking at the ingredient content Yeah, and, and what, what weird things were in there. You know, if the list is really long, that's mm. kind of like, okay. I mean, you, you taught me that. So mm. there was that there was, um, buying organic made a big, big difference in mm. my head, at least, you know, um, I felt good about that. I started, yeah. you know, I, I think I started after listening to you, reading some, um, and trying to think of all the pieces that came at me to make these changes. It wasn't just you, um, you know, other friends, um, learning from other friends and things. Um, I'm trying to think it's, uh, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know. I can't. That's a great, I think that's a great um, starting point because uh, we're going to get into some more of like the, you know, I'm going to call them advanced ways that maybe you're doing it now. Uh, but it sounds like you, you got after like, Hey, I want to know what I'm eating. Right. I mean, that, that's an easy first step. I mean, if you're reading the labels, it doesn't mean you have to go pitch everything in the pantry. Right. Um, you know, uh, throw out the, 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 entire backstock inventory, right? <laughs> um, you empty out the freezer, but you were reading labels and, and then you were being more conscious about the produce that you're buying. Right. And, and that was a perfect answer to the question that I asked. It's like, Hey, kind of, where did you start? And you know, it, I, I'm, I'm going to presume, at least I think I could make a guess as to why you started there, but I guess I'll ask you, uh, was there any way, like, how did you, how did you choose that as kind of like the first things that you were getting into? Well, I don't know. It's kind of easy. Yeah. You know, start just paying attention. And then I think another huge change, um, and I, I wish I could remember when I really started doing this, but I started asking myself before I ate something, is this nourishing? And that was huge. I mean, before it would just be, I'm hungry. I want to, mm. s- s- you know. Yeah. A handful of chips or crackers or satisfy the hunger instead of now I'm like when I eat the chips I won't say I don't still eat chips but I try to buy better chips Mm -hmm. I also try to eat less Mm -hmm. you know and you're also not you're also eating them understanding like I'm eating this to enjoy this chip right now I'm not eating this to fulfill my protein intake for the day which is totally appropriate Right. I remember you started buying from Green Bean Delivery. I did. Yeah. And I, I felt like that was like a big shift yeah. where it was like you were getting pretty local produce and it was, you know, at least mostly organic. And then you could add in other things. And right. you really kind of experimented through that platform of like, OK, I'm going to try this grass fed meat or I'm going to try this like new yogurt or I'm going to try this kombucha and so that um, subscription plot or a program, I feel like gave you like a spoon fed you a little bit of like Good. real food. And um, I don't think I lived here when you st- when you were doing that. So I think that that was after we were married. Um, but it's been going on in five years. At yeah. Least five years. But uh, uh, as an outsider, th- 
to me, I was like, wow, that's a, she's dedicating to get this delivered every other week. That's a big deal. And you would get excited about what you'd put in your order. And so that could be even a creative motivation to say, I don't know what to eat or where to start, but is there something that I can plug into that kind of fills my cart for me already? Yeah. And I can like play, mm. play around with that. Yeah. So that's really good. Um, as, as we, as we get into, um, a wrapping up the kind of transitional period, curious as what, you know, maybe a, a family dinner looked like during that time. You're just getting into, into real food. Uh, was there, did you see some, some, some interesting changes at all? Can you remember any, any kind of like family dinners? You know, I, at this time, Tom was still flying, but he's getting close, close mm-hmm. to retirement. He wasn't quite there yet. Um, I just think the shift of less processed food, mm. you know, instead of buying the Betty Crocker au gratin potatoes, um, I would just cook from scratch more. Mm-hmm. Even like, um, taco seasoning right? i started making my own taco seasoning yeah, you used to you back in the day you would buy the packet and then oh, yeah. you, you read the back of the packet and you're like what what is this right so then you started mixing your own spices right and uh even that is a funny one because i think people like you know you'll find recipes that say like throw in a packet of, of ranch mm-hmm. seasoning right. and people are like oh okay um, not knowing that like that whole recipe is built on, you know, a packaged food and, uh, you could do better if you, if you just throw in some dill yeah, <laughs> and some salt and some pepper and maybe a little granulated garlic. Um, so th- it was little steps like that. And I remember you would kind of like, tell me, and you would be like, hey, look, I made this from scratch. <laughs> you know, like I'm not buying this store-bought packet anymore. I'm doing this, this, and this. And making my own salad dressing. Yeah, salad dressing. You, you, you're you, the person that taught me how to make my own salad dressing. And um, Thank you, Jane. Yeah, it's, it's the best dressing, and everyone always asks you for the recipe. But um, it was so – it reminds me of like – just the a slow burn really it wasn't like all of a sudden I'm flipping my kitchen I'm I'm getting the trash bag and I'm emptying things and I'm throwing them away like although I have done that okay (laughs) well that's interesting but like that that's kind of the picture we get when we're like oh we have to embrace real food it's that tv show that person coming into your house saying this is garbage and this is trash right it's not realistic for families no and um it would be quite offensive if someone came in and told you that the contents of your pantry was somehow hurting you and it sort of flips your whole paradigm on its on its side but so let's go ahead well speaking of flipping i just want to say this um you know i'm 65 you're 30 30 um there is that time when the parent you know kind of switches over I mean, you're definitely the leader in this. I mean, I, I, I still, I'd say I still lead you some in different areas, but, but I go to you now as far as nutritional information and things. And I think that's a good lesson. I think I, I, I feel sad for parents who or moms, especially that hold on to, I'm the mother, you know, mm-hmm. I'm the one that should know this. I'm not listening to you. So I'm grateful that at some point God or whoever broke me, you know, mm-hmm. to the point where I would listen mm-hmm. and I would learn and be willing to learn from 
from somebody much younger than me. Yeah. I'm curious too, in all of this, like, did you notice your, yourself feeling better when you changed your food? Because there was a lot of things going on. You would have a surgery or you would be on a different medication or something. And so it's really hard to isolate something and say like, oh, I stopped this food. So this, um, uh, symptom went away. But overall, like, did you notice a big difference in in how you were feeling or more energy or less um, brain fog or, or whatever? Or was it just, or was most of your issue solved with the surgery? I guess I've never asked you that question. Mm. I think there's an overall just general well-being feeling and knowing that you're making good decisions, you know, mm-hmm. that feed into that. I would, and now I'm, I, well, here's what I've, I've noticed recently is when I've eaten something that's either more processed or at a restaurant that might be, eh, I like feel it right away mm-hmm. because I think I'm, I'm kind of purifying my system. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm never going to stop eating out. We travel and, mm-hmm. you know, that's our lifestyle, but, um, making, making different, um, choices has has just I don't know I've buoyant is a word that I that comes to mind Mm. I feel buoyant that I'm I'm I've made good decisions better I would say better decisions Mm. yeah that's really cool so I mean that's a perfect transition into talking about um you know getting into today right and um the journey is obviously continuing but um you know dinner rhythms today what, what are some of your favorite things to get into? What's some of your favorite food to cook? Uh, these real food habits, you know, what, what does today look like for, for, um, for the Dobmeyer household here? Well, it's really fun. We got to uh, split some beef with you guys. Mm-hmm. So that's fun. Knowing the farmer, mm-hmm. meeting the rancher, excuse me, um, and, <laughs> uh, and just knowing his commitment to raising good food beef and then having that in the freezer and you know um it's just it's become simplified is what it's it has you know it's it's simple ingredients and you're definitely teaching me that it's like instead of having a box of this and a can of this to add and that and it's not that so much anymore we talk about that all the time like we've never been a casserole family or a big dish family which is the simpler it seems to be the easier and the cheaper and I think there must have been some shift in the in the you know American household to sort of maybe elevate or make it more elegant to have like a bunch of ingredients mm-hmm, but I'm mm-hmm. so out for like the 11 to 15 ingredient dinner right, I'm right. out for that I don't want that yeah right so that's been a big shift the, just simplifying mm. That's, that's, that's awesome. Now, the, the, um, you talk about dinner rhythms and I've asked you this way too many times. You're probably sick of hearing it, but you know, what does dinner look like today? What are some of your go-tos? Hmm. Well, I still make meatloaf, hmm. you know, some of Tom's favorites, um, roasts, uh, sh- I like shrimp. So a lot of classics that you're, are you adapting these classics? I assume you're, 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 or are they? Well, I'm taking, I'm taking the, instead of, like I said, instead of a, a can of cream of mushroom soup in mm. this thing, I'm thinking, oh, I can do that by making a white sauce right and on. 
seasoning it differently. So, um, that's the other luxury though. You know, I'm, I'm Tom's retired. We have more time. Yeah. We can spend it cooking scratch Mm. and, um, yeah, it's very enjoyable. So there's that, there's that factor that I didn't really expect. I think something else people don't recognize is that you can eat a lot of the same food. You just need a higher quality ingredient. Mm -hmm. So like there was nothing wrong with the way that dad grew up. Um, he grew up in a, in a world without genetically modified foods because he was born in the fifties. Right. So, um, that wasn't a factor for him. Our generation, it is my kid's generation. It absolutely is. And so you can have your pot roast and your veggies and your mashed potatoes and, um, even like your baked goods. I mean, now you're, now you're baking bread. Talk about the bread in Spain. Now, before we got on the podcast, you were stretching and folding and shaping your sourdough. So, (laughs) um, that's cool to me to, to, for people to realize like, Hey, I don't have to give up bread. I don't have to eat this really weird combination of foods i can just eat the food that i have always known and loved but i can eat a higher quality of it right and i know that you get a lot of questions um from people that say i can't afford this or that but i tell you it it buying the higher quality food and and making the dense the nutrient dense i'm learning a new lingo you know i could write a little book about here's (laughs) you know Here's eating well for dummies, yeah, you know, right book on. and it nutrient dense, you know, and when you eat that way, you eat less, yeah. you, you don't snack as much, you, and you just, you just feel good about what's going into your body. Mm-hmm. Now, um, I agree with that actually. And I love that. Um, I've noticed that even just with, with the food that I make for lunch, the food that we ate today was, uh, very simple for dinner. I mean, it was like what, six, seven ingredients maybe. That was crazy. Uh, the the um, as as we as we look at your current community of f- friends, uh, whether it's old Air Force friends or people you've known for forever, have you encountered any any uh, resistance to these ideas that you've kind of began be, you know began to adopt? Um, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, I get the question a lot from my friends. Um, what would Liz say about that? Or, <laughs> or, or do you really do everything she does? Because, you know, I mean, people are used to cooking a certain way, mm. you know, and you're 60 years old and you've always yeah. used olive oil a certain way to say, hey, maybe you shouldn't use olive oil this way. You should mm. use it this way. I mean, people don't, people don't like that. And it's uncomfortable, mm-hmm. you know, it's unsettling, I should say. And so uh, there, I do have, I have friends, you know, push back a little, like, really? Do you really do that? Or, yeah. you know, I'm fine. Look, look at me, I'm fine, you know, and especially maybe with the raw dairy, you know, that's, that's kind of the out there one a little bit. It's the most controversial food topic I'd say there probably is yeah. of all time. Yeah. <laughs> so. so you definitely, you would say you meet meet some resistance to the ideas i i would say uh if it maybe not resistance but curious Mm. they're very curious as to um how i've adapted Mm. am i adapting how much power have i given liz i was gonna say do you are they trying to poke holes like is she genuine 
or no, is I don't, it? I don't think so. I think I think they're curious. Now, I've got friends that you know have followed your story that they're just fascinated, and they're just like they've like they have a real teachable heart, and they're just like, oh, what what does Liz say about that? Yeah. Not the what does Liz say about that? You know, <laughs> yeah. it's different. It's a different yeah. tone. Well, yeah. try being me, right? I'm married to her. I go around. I can't even it's imagine. It's like a magnifying glass. He told me today that someone asked him what salad dressing he used at the office. And I said, what salad dressing do you use at the office? And he said, some organic brand. I was like, oh, yeah. I mean, it has seed oils in it, but I guess it's organic. And he's like, it has <laughs> seed oils in it? There's still so much teaching to do. Mm. <laughs> it's just, you know what? Like I am not opposed to a store-bought dressing. Uh, you and I both preach all day long that homemade dressing is both better for you and um cheaper and uh can oftentimes be more delicious can often yeah so but that's okay and i'm not a purist and that's that's a funny thing too like when i hear mom say that so-and-so friend was um you know like what what do you do and what would she do i get friends asking me like well what lot what lunch meat do you buy and i'm like listen there's not really like an all organic pasture raised naturally cured lunch meat option. There's just not. You can find organic lunch meat, but it's always like kind of slimy. Slimy. Yeah, I don't like that. You can find like boar's head, I'd say it was like the highest quality, you know, perceived quality, I would say. Um, but like I don't know what those animals are eating. And at some point we have to make a decision about like, is this a staple in my house? How much do I care about it? And and then you can have convictions. But like, if people were to ever assume that Joey and I like never eat out or we never have put olive oil on a hot, um, on a pizza that goes into the oven or something, you know, like mm-hmm. it's one thing to understand principles about food and um, have certain standards for our health. But it's a whole other thing to say uh, that we have a purist mindset and I would, um, yeah, I, th- I think people assume that, but I, I would never want to give that impression because it's not effective. You, you right. would never be able to eat out. You wouldn't, right. if you avoided all seed oils, you would never eat at a restaurant. Um, so that's just a small example. Yeah. And I try to tell them that too. You she's know. normal guys. I, <laughs> I promise she's normal. That's yeah. Funny. Well, sort of. we're all on this journey we're all on this kind of path towards right real food um curious you know what are you excited about where where are you excited about going next whether it's something you're learning something you hope to accomplish real food what excites you i really want to learn how to substitute cream of mushroom soup and cream of chicken soup (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm serious. Right on. I, I'm like, I want to, I want that to be like automatic now mm. because I want to, like I opened it. Okay. I, sorry, Campbell's. And I opened a can the other day and I, I just, I just had this really negative reaction and I still used it and I'll probably still buy it maybe and use it. But I thought I, I really want to learn that. So there's a little, I, I get one of the things that I want to cook even more from scratch. Yeah. What are you making that has cream of mushroom soup so often? <gasps> Yummy chicken enchiladas and interesting. That's like a base, right? Interesting. Yeah, but see, I know deep down I don't really need that as a base. No. It's just there in the recipe. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of one of those things. You've always made it that way. Yeah. It so. is an interesting thing to think about though, because like even in my brain I'm thinking up like 
what would I substitute that out for? It's high sodium. Chicken there's, stock, there's right? High it's a reduced stock. It's like almost like a consummate, but like, you know. More um, sour it's cream. More, yeah, like, I mean, what, what are you going to do? to? Uh, that's, that's an interesting point. It'd almost be like taking chicken stock and adding like a slurry to it, right? Mm-hmm. Or a roux to kind of add Right, thickness. I can make a white sauce. Yeah. Um, but uh, there, there definitely is, especially if you've been eating it for a number of years, <laughs> some distinct notes. <laughs> I'm going to call it. In the cream of mushroom. In the cream of chicken and cream mushroom soup. soup. There is a chipotle chicken um, uh, recipe that that, uh, that I'm aware of that uses cream of chicken soup. And I'm telling you right now, I don't know how I would substitute it within that recipe. That's a very interesting point. That's uh, I love that answer. Well, I like to make um, sloppy joes with chicken gumbo soup. Yes, I my, know. My mother made them I've like had that. them. <laughs> See, and this is why I feel like I have such a weird food memory as a kid. It's like those sloppy joes, that weird uh, chip thing, Pedro's special, (laughs) the Fritos, the marshmallow and sardine, not sardine. Oh, gosh. Can you imagine? (laughs) (laughs) The marshmallow and saltine cracker combo. Yeah, it was. Uh, I that, that was you a, guys. That, that was, was not me. That was the brothers modeling that behavior for me. Thank you, my older I siblings. Think that's called innovation. <laughs> yeah. I think it was also a product of being a '90s kid and uh, hungry and just like yeah, you just <laughs> you had all the snack. you had all the convenience foods in your house and you could do whatever you wanted. So, like before we wrap things up here, Carol, um, before you head out, was there is there anything that you wanted to share? Any any last parting? Nuggets of wisdom. It's okay mm. if there's not, but uh, curious. Any nice words to say about your daughter? I was just gonna say that. <laughs> way to ruin. Way to the ruin the spontane- spontaneity. Um, yeah, I I'm really grateful. I mean, uh, we've been through it, and what's really fun, you know, you've got a really great story beyond just the health stuff. Um, you've got a cool redemption story. A lot of my friends. You're their favorite redemption story. Mm-hmm. And someday I hope you, you tell that whole thing. But um, I'm grateful. I'm thankful. I, um, I'm humbled, mm-hmm. you know, to learn from you, to, uh, to make these changes, to have your support, you know. Um, I'll text you at weird hours and ask you stupid bread questions that I should know the answer to. But it's, true. it's just nice having you there. It's nice. You know, I, I just I love you. And um, I'm just really super grateful. And I'm grateful for the partner that you have. Um, he knows how to run a meeting. <laughs> He's all right. He <laughs> knows how to facilitate a conversation, that's for sure. So that's I, why I hired him. I look forward to um, just continually making more and more changes, to, mm-hmm. you know, going upwards. I, I was asked at the current... Um, or the latest Weston A. Price, you know, it's spring. What are you looking forward to? I bought barefoot shoes, so I'm going to walk more and awesome. um, cook more from scratch, continue to drink more water, mm-hmm. do the little things, you yeah. know. So, but I am grateful, mm-hmm. and I'm, and I'm um, excited to see um, where we all go from here. Yeah, that's sweet. Thanks, Mom. Thanks for having me. Yeah. We're so thankful to have had you on today. So thankful for um, the wisdom you've given us. And, and at the end of the day, you know, as as her husband, um, there's definitely a lot of ways that Elizabeth is 
is um, her maturity, her humility, her willingness to figure something out, her motivation. Um, and and th- th- this this Dobmeyer family is, is, is pretty pretty awesome, pretty powerful. So um, thankful for for, for you. Uh, obviously thankful for Elizabeth, but she knows that. And um, you know Elizabeth, why don't you uh, uh, send us, send her on her way? Yeah, so mom, um, first of all, thank you for having this conversation with us today. Um, I know I've had a blast sort of like learning alongside you and have really enjoyed the change in our relationship that we can now share this and get excited about it. Um, And I've been encouraged and inspired by your willingness. I think one of the biggest things you always said was if you can be teachable, you can go far in life. And if really what that is, is humility, right? And just saying, I don't, I don't know everything. Tell me, tell me more about that. Um, and that's the posture you have to take when you're on this journey. Truthfully, you have to be teachable. You have to be willing to say, I don't know. Tell me more. And you have modeled that for me. And even though we butt heads in those first, I don't know, honestly on, in those teen years as mother and daughter, but then you know, even as I was an adult, um, I had my frustrations and now I feel like we've come full circle. You know, we, we go to these meetings together. We we're going on trips. We, um, we get to share in our farm orders and split a cow and and all these fun things that I, I never would have thought that we would share overlap. So, um, I'm encouraged by you. I am, and dad too. I don't want to leave him out of the conversation, although I know his buying power is relatively low around here. But um, I uh, I hope that other people see your story and hear your story and realize that they can make similar changes and that they have the power to do this and that um, it's uh, it, it's there's never a finish line, right? You don't, they, you always have time to make the small changes. Right. So thanks mom. I love you. This conversation has been great and super meaningful. Um, and I hope it inspires other families too. Yeah, me too. Thanks a lot. Mm-hmm. Thanks Carol. And with that, Carol has left the building and, uh, you know, what a what a great what a great conversation you know you know what, even just to kind of kick us off i didn't realize walking into this conversation how much of an impact um uh, your parents living in spain was going to have yeah. on the the kind of overall journey and yeah. i'm i'm sad that i didn't think about that more on the front end <laughs> i don't know why i didn't i know when we had our little planning meeting about like okay what what are some key you know transitional periods in your life i didn't even think about living in spain um, which makes sense. And it's also why like every time our family has a like sort of fun uh, family dinner or like um, when the kids are tasked to make the um, dinner on vacation, like we would do a Spanish night and we'd make Spanish tortilla and croquetas and croquettes or whatever. I don't know even how you say it. <laughs> Those but, like, like fried like hush puppy kind of thing. Yeah, but, like stuff with canned chicken. It's wild. I don't nice. even know. But nice. um, and we would have these traditional we'd make sangria Mm. you know um so it really is part of our culture and you know kevin was born there yeah and phil was there you know i don't know how long till he's like two or something or Mm. three um just enough time to not remember it (laughs) yeah (laughs) and uh i used to 
question Kevin why he didn't get some dual citizenship or something. Like you got to yeah. get something out of that. I just don't know what you do with it. Like, yeah, you, you do have nothing. It. It's I mean, just a fun party. It would be a cool thing to talk about. I mean, I bet you there's some things like if you're gonna be like a professional athlete, maybe you'd be. <laughs> yeah. So um, that piece was cool, and uh, I I even think that there's other layers that um, we could have touched on, but I think the conversation was exactly what I think people need to hear mm-hmm. is that um, when you are introduced to this like new way of thinking, there's a period where um, if you're feeling hesitant or um, frustration or pushback or resistance, like that's normal. Mm-hmm. And even if it's your own family member, even if it's your daughter that you love dearly, you might think she's crazy mm-hmm. or you might get mad at her because honestly, she's not showing you very much grace. And so it's like, you know, I know not everyone can get a window into what my mom and I's relationship was when I was a teenager, but I can promise you and all my brothers and my father can attest to the fact that it was not healthy and it was not a good relationship. And, um, so thankful for the reality of our, of our relationship now. And it's weird that like the tension started out as food and now almost the, resolve is that's food. pretty cool that's you a know cool story it's yeah. kind of full circle so um that's why i wanted to have her on the podcast that's why i wanted to have the conversation that we did today because i think so many people are like how do i get my my parents on board or, i think with that question something that stuck out to me that i kind of wanted to revisit just briefly was this idea of of uh when when when, when today when carol said that um she had to kind of almost like um break out of this mother daughter relationship where she's like in charge, like where she's mothering you. Yeah. And, um, you know, as a, as a parent of young kids myself, I can already see how that'll be something that I will have to deal with at some, at some point. I think Sophie's already smarter than me. <laughs> and, and, um, I did think about as she said that, you know, what are the things my girls are going to turn around and teach me? And a, God, what a beautiful like design of parenthood mm-hmm. that is. So I'm excited for that. Um, I will definitely take, you know, internalize what I learned from that experience with them. And I, th- I think one of the best ways I can teach our kids is to just share stories of, of what that meant for me. And so I've, you know, I'll be honest with the girls and say, this was my relationship with, with Mimi at one point. Yeah. This is my relationship now. Let's work off that and knowledge. One thing to pull from that is just, you know, be humble. Be willing to learn. Anyone yeah. can teach you anything. Um, and um, and also, you know, do your own research. So <laughs> some people can teach you things that uh, that maybe aren't so good. And, uh, you know, we're all fortunate in this case that a lot of the things that you've been leading us on and teaching us have, have been uh, very, very beneficial for us. So uh, definitely, definitely loved that conversation. And um, um, hey, as, as uh, I also loved her answer, right, of, you know, what she's excited about. I mean, the chef and me loved it. I mean, replacing the. I'm looking for an alternative because, like, it's almost like a call to action. Like, hey, if you're listening to this, and you know of a spectacular way to substitute <laughs> cream of mushroom and cream of chicken the soup, unique gelatinous <laughs> ability of cream of mushroom, the, the and very the, flavor. Pro- the very processed properties of cream of mushroom and cream of chicken soup. The coagulation specifically is what we're looking. They bring for. a specific flavor <laughs> and texture to all foods. You know how do we how do we properly um, substitute that out? Um, these are real questions we got to ask. These are the real questions we got to ask. Right on. Um, 
hey, we've we've uh, we've loved having this. We love uh, what we get to do and and talking to to all the people that um, that listen to this podcast. We hope that this has been not only inspiring to um, to all of those out there that 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 maybe are are being met with some resistance on this path and this journey from the community and the folks around them. Uh, first and foremost, you have community here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can be mad at me. It's fine. Okay. I'm used to it. Yep. <laughs> and, um, you have community here and, um, um, we're on the path, we're on the journey as well. And so the journey and the path continues as we are continuing to look for substitutes for cream of mushroom soup and cream of chicken soup. <laughs> we're also, we're also learning. We're reading, uh, we're, we're cooking, we're, we're making new foods, or new, new, new meals. We're, we're, um, trying new things with sourdough. We're, you know, getting our farm order dropped off at our house. Um, and um, if you're on this path, you're on this journey, and you're looking for ways to um, to continue learning and to continue being inspired, uh, I'm going to encourage you to keep listening to this podcast. It's free. Keep listening to it. This is what we do here. Um, but uh, you know, in addition to that, we've created some pretty some pretty awesome resources. There 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 are some books and things that we've created for for you all to. Uh, to get on the path, to get your kids on the path. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some some curriculum, some workbooks for your your younger kids, uh, complete with handwriting, matching, uh, familiarizing them with foods that that um, that that they eat or could be or should be maybe eating uh, each and every day. Um, that's that's definitely just kind of the beginnings. And then um, there's a there's a workbook that's that's for uh, for older kids. That's more of like the fourth to sixth grade. Uh, these are these are. Uh, curriculums or schoolwork that you can walk your kids through to teach them about real food. Mm-hmm. They're awesome. Get your kids on the path. Um, additionally, the, the journey of the path is hard for, for us as adults. Um, as we already mentioned, listen to this podcast. Grab a what's for dinner copy. Um, that is a that that is a that is an awesome resource to help you plan out your your dinners your meals. It's not even, it's not only just, um, nutritious, nutrient dense recipes, but also the shopping list that go with it. And the meal plans, uh, it helps you reuse, you know, the, the, the carcass from the, from the chicken that you roasted the day before to make the chicken stock for the rice that you make tomorrow. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 it's there's a lot of intention, a lot of thought, thought put into that, that book, get a hold of one of those. And finally, you know, if you're looking to dip your toe in, grab a real food guide or a, uh, a free sourdough guide. Mm-hmm. All these things can be found at homegrowneducation.org. Um, go go get your kids on the path, get on the path, um, listen to this podcast. And finally, if you want to hear more of my incessant ramblings. You say that every time. Do I, I say don't that think a lot? you ramble. You don't think I ramble? I just Mm-mm. talked for a lot right there. I mean, that was a lot of talking. Yeah, so. I talk way more than that. You think so? Yeah. Okay, well, if you want to hear more of Elizabeth's incessant ramblings. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say it was rambling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right on. Um, or my snarky remarks. Mm-hmm. Find us on Instagram. You can find Elizabeth at homegrown underscore education. And you can find me at Joey Hazelmeyer, the one and only. And until next time. Until next time.